0: Welcome to two SoCal Gals, the podcast where we talk anything and everything soccer with a SoCal slant. I'm Alicia. Josie, what did you wear for Halloween?
1: Well, I'm Josie and I wore a Steve Linhart jersey and then punch people when they weren't looking.
2: Halloween. <laughs>
1: So this is uh, two SoCal gals, as we said, and we're gonna begin tonight with some breaking news.
0: Uh, breaking news! <laughs> uh, it's
1: very exciting. Um, the first playoff match just finished. Uh, Houston is going through over Chicago on the back of a 2-1 victory. Uh, Will Bruin got the brace um, Sean Johnson was Sean Johnson uh, so going you know, tomorrow morning's headlines are we expecting the storyline to be Will Bruin is great or is the storyline going to be Sean Johnson is shaky
0: uh, I think probably I would go more with Sean Johnson is shaky um, I mean it's a little unfair to sort of you know give Credit or blame fully to to one of those players, but um, I know that Bruin had a good year, but I still remain a little bit unconvinced by him. I think that uh, Johnson, uh, particularly on the first goal, was it seemed like he was kind of preoccupied with the Houston player who was standing right in front of him, and he didn't really kind of have the wide vision, if you will, to to kind of see what was going on in in the whole corner kick play. Um, and he he sort of honed in on the guy right in front of him, and then he he waited until a little too late to to make a move over. To be fair, he you know his uh, teammate didn't uh, actually mark Bruin properly, so that I mean that didn't help obviously. But um, yeah, I mean I think it's going to be one of those narratives that are that's going to follow Johnson around until he actually comes through in a big game. Uh, now with the you know Olympic qualifying first. You know, that falling through and then uh, and then this playoff game. Um, But he he seems to be one of the most enigmatic goalkeepers uh, in the league at the moment. I mean, he's he's got a lot of talent, but he just doesn't have it fully put together at this point. And, um, you know, I think it showed tonight. But what's your take on it?
1: I think you've hit on all the the, the major points. You know, Sean Johnson is someone that is getting a look um, at the national team level. So you know he has talent. There's no doubting the uh, man's ability, but yet he s- still seems to maybe it's just inexperience, or I'm not exactly sure. But he just has these matches where he just kind of his head looks like it's not in what's happening um both goals i think uh the general consensus is that they were preventable and then you know that ends up being the match uh will bruin does seem to have this ability to every now and again have a hat trick or Um, just kind of turn it on Uh, but he he hasn't had the consistency to really say oh well it was all him and like you alluded to there was this was a sloppy match with people slipping and sliding you know he doesn't score that first goal if his marker doesn't fall flat on his face Uh, which is another question like um, between players slipping and sliding, and an attendance of just over 10k, it really kind of felt like a match with where a lot of people weren't prepared for this being an elimination type match.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, on the one hand, it it was a little disappointing to see you know the the small small relatively small attendance and um, sort of the tenor of the play. But I mean, then again you know Houston's one of those teams that they're effective but they're not usually very dazzling you know so it's i don't know to me it doesn't seem like it's a surprise that a, you know a Houston Dynamo team is involved in a game that most people would consider pretty boring um i think it's a little disappointing that this was you know the the introduction to the playoffs but uh but i i am legitimately excited for uh you know the the next round with with Houston against uh Sporting KC because i think um, Houston matches up pretty well against them They obviously beat them last year And, you know, obviously Kansas City will want to Get one over on Houston from, from last season So, um, certainly there are some some good headlines For, you know, for the next round in this uh, Coming out of this game
1: For sure, for sure
0: And the other thing is I mean, I picked Chicago to win stupidly I should have realized that uh, I mean, the team in Orange was definitely going to win On Halloween, right?
1: It's just the way these things go. Where coincidence can crop up. It will.
0: Yep, for sure. All right, uh let's talk about uh one of the mid season awards that we didn't get to last year and that or last week, I'm sorry, and that was Rookie of the Year. Um so the field's been set and who is your front runner for the award? Uh well.
1: MLS Soccer, uh, their editors have their five players that are kind of the front runners right now. Interestingly, there are two defenders in MLS Soccer's top three. And that kind of uh, relies on coincidence, you know, like someone gets injured, and so you've got the defender that has to step up. Um, and Matt Hedges and Austin Berry both going 28 games. It's not really expected of a rookie. Uh, but I have a soft side for the offensive players. And Nick DeLeon getting uh, 10 points in his first year in MLS. Uh, that's really impressive to me. Um, but what about you? Who who are you looking at at Rookie of the Year?
0: Yeah, I mean, to some extent, I don't think that there's a a breakout candidate necessarily. I mean, I think that there's sort of this idea that Barry is the de facto winner. Um, And, you know, I think there's a good case to be made for him. Um, You're right that there aren't a lot of rookie center backs who step in and perform, you know, right away. Um, And and there were two this season. And I think it's a little bit of a disservice to Hedges, uh, Matt Hedges, that he isn't getting the same exact consideration as Barry, but that's probably a factor of uh, Chicago having a better season than Dallas. But, um, you know, obviously the, the the flashy candidate, I suppose, is Darren Maddox. I'm a little bit surprised. I didn't realize uh, that he played 21 games overall. It, it felt like he played a lot a lot fewer, but he ended up playing a, a fair amount of games, and he scored seven goals on the season. So, um, you know, obviously he's got that, that – Flair for the dramatic. He's got skills that, uh, you know, it, it seems like few other players in this league have. Um, you know, and I think that he he would be a, a deserving nod potentially as well. But in the end, I I voted for Barry as, as as rookie of the year. Okay,
1: and I think it's worth noting that both of our defenders who are up for rookie of the year uh, have three goals. So there are defenders who have made their presence known on set pieces and that can definitely uh, attract some of the the voters as well. So moving on to CONCACAF Champions League uh, wrapped up the group stages last week two MLS teams will have to face Mexican clubs right off the bat Seattle get Tigres and Houston get Santos Uh, who are you seeing in the semifinal for that side of the bracket?
0: Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think it's really hard to predict at this point, and I know that sounds a little bit Weasley, but um, there's a ton of time before the quarterfinals start. Um, You know, obviously in Mexico there's going to be the conclusion of the apertura, followed by about a month off, and then um, most of the clausura is going to take place before the quarterfinals get underway, and then for MLS, it's the playoffs and then um, the off season, and uh, it's. I think it's like I, I'm not sure what the scheduling is, but I think it's likely that the quarterfinals will start before the season begins, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, you know, so I, I think it's really, really hard to say. I think even on the eve of the, you know, it'll be hard to say, but at least we'll have a better idea of how the Mexican clubs are doing and what the MLS clubs have done, um, during the off season. But I'll I'll say that. Santos and Tigres are both struggling a little bit in uh, in Mexico right now. Santos is currently in ninth place, um, which is a game outside of the or a place outside of the playoffs, and Tigres are actually in 14th. Um, they both have two games left, and they're both within striking distance of making the playoffs if they actually, you know, get some wins um, in the last couple of games. Um, but it, it seems clear that their focus isn't the same. That the team isn't really coming together in the same way that they have. Um, especially last season and uh, Santos in particular they're using a lot of young players and it seems like they're trying to retool on the fly and uh, you know they're not quite as strong as they were last year um, but of the MLS clubs I'd say right now I'd give Seattle an edge over Houston because I think that they have experience at this stage that the Dynamo doesn't at this point but what do you think?
1: Uh well- you're absolutely right that it's too early to tell, um, but mostly I just wanted to get your expertise uh, on the Mexican clubs. Because I feel like when Seattle got paired with um that night, it was sort of like a death sentence was poured upon Seattle that they weren't able to draw with uh, the Galaxy or... Uh, with one of the Central American clubs, it was like, oh, this is so bad. Was, sure, they finished third, but they're going to get a Mexican club. So, of course, they're gone from this tournament. And uh, it does seem like uh, UNAL has having their own struggles. And it's not like just going to Mexico. Mean, Seattle has the experience of going to Mexico and getting wins. And it's not necessarily doom and gloom when it comes to seattle having uh to face tigress in the next bracket and i actually i do see them going through um i also see santos going through but that's just because i think they'll eventually get their act together
0: yeah and i i can totally see that logic and i i agree on the um the doom and gloom you know, perspectives when, when the draw came out. No doubt it's going to be a tough task for any team. Um, it's, I think especially, I mean, the only really convincing argument I can see at this point to switching the MLS calendar is that, you know, as it stands now, MLS clubs are, you know, out of match fitness basically, you know, when they come into the, the knockout stages of, of the CCL. Um, I think there's a lot of other reasons why it doesn't make sense to switch the calendar, but I mean certainly that's one argument in 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 favor of it. But uh, let's let's move on to talk about the Galaxy. Uh, they're taking uh, going to be playing a playoff game tomorrow, so I've heard, um, and they're pegged against the as the clear favorites against Vancouver tomorrow. Um, is there anything the Galaxy fans should be concerned about going into this match?
1: Well. We've already seen uh, a 5 beat to 4 tonight, Um, but the east was much closer than the west so you can't exactly draw direct parallels. Um, What Vancouver is going to come in and try and do uh, is park the bus. And I wrote about this on uh, the confidential this afternoon uh the last time the Vancouver faced the Galaxy um uh, you didn't see the defense move above the the midfield line and you didn't see the Galaxy complete any passes inside the box and Vancouver was sticking six in the box 10 behind the ball and that is not conducive to a lot of scoring through the middle or even uh, through the run of play uh, through with the long balls. You didn't see Beckham making he passes uh, in that match against Vancouver. Uh, the, the Galaxy do have Buttle now who's a little bit taller and can give the Galaxy that presence the run of play but still when you've got 6 in the box there's not much you can do about it. Uh, I don't think the Galaxy have a whole lot to worry about tomorrow. They should be through against Vancouver and then the biggest worry is just having fitness for San Jose and a quick turnaround.
0: Uh, The question that I had about this this matchup for the Galaxy was uh, who's going to be playing center back with Omar Gonzalez?
1: That's a really good question. Um, There was a great quote from Bruce Arena after the Galaxy's match against Seattle when we were asking, you know, is Jalen Gallagher going to be available? And he said, there's about as good a chance as one of you winning the Pulitzer, Um, which is, uh, you know, it's a burn. Uh, I feel the burn. Um, But it also just points to the fact that uh, Tommy Meyer is going to have to step up uh, into that position. And we were talking about earlier about just the randomness of rookies having to step up into defensive positions. It's not something any coach wants to do, but you get forced into it by injuries or um, just w- your team's contract situation, various reasons. Um, But here you have a rookie in Tommy Meyer who was called on in the beginning of the year and has improved a lot, but it's still a rookie being called upon to step into that central defender role uh, in a playoff situation.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a baptism by fire for sure.
1: (laughs) It's going to be interesting, but we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back we're going to have Patrick Johnston who's going to tell us all about match impact ratings, so stick around all right we are here with patrick johnston a researcher with nfl network and the inventor of something you might have seen at lag confidential called match impact rating um, the question that I get a lot on the site, Patrick, is what, how, how is it calculated, um, and what exactly are you trying to rep- represent with match impact rating?
2: So for the time being, it's just an offensive rating. Uh, not all of the Optus stuff is easy to like, do for defense. It's not all accumulated in one spot like you can do with offensive stats. And then I haven't uh, seen enough of the defensive stats there that i like to see that I've seen in other places. Uh, Opta given Barcelona a lot of good stats for defense that are all in one place. So I might mess with that and do defense, but for now it's just offense. So your minutes played definitely goes in there because it's on a per 90 minute average. And all of your main stats go in there. Goals, assists, shots, shots on goal, fouls committed, Fouls you suffer or fouls you draw other players into, your offsides, your cards, all of that goes into it.
0: Patrick, uh, I wanted to know then how does uh, Chivas USA's players rank this season in, in the match impact rating?
2: So Chivas was obviously not a playoff team, and we saw one of the playoff games that just ended. Everyone who made the playoffs had more than one player in the top 50 and most often they're in the top 25 with Chivas the top player who actually played enough minutes which was half of the available minutes for the season to make the leaderboard was Bolaños and he
1: was ranked 41 okay and then what about uh, for the Galaxy who ended up uh, tops on that
2: so, Landon Donovan was actually second in the league, and on the Galaxy, he was followed by Keane, who was ninth. David Beckham was 28th, and McGee was 38th.
1: Okay.
0: And uh, finally, how does Chris Wondolowski's season rank all-time in your match impact rating?
2: It's really not that impressive all-time, and even when you compare him to Lassiter, it's not as impressive as Lassiter's season because he was scoring on 35.5% of his shots. And when you look at even what Messi is doing these last two seasons in La Liga, he's only scoring only, of course, on 25 or so percent. So it's just an incredible rate that Lassiter had. Wondolowski's was above 20%, so that was still impressive. But he took more minutes to do it. He took a lot more shots to do it. And he didn't get fouled as often.
1: Alright, well, um, just a little follow-up. Thinking of all this stuff, um, you've got Henri, uh, Donovan, and Wondolowski, uh, all in the top three area. What what keeps Wando from being top in the league? Um, I think we can kind of assume he's probably going to be top in, uh, MVP voting, uh... But why isn't he showing up on the tops of, you know, your ratings? Or I really I haven't looked at Castrol recently, but um, I know he's not a guarantee to be on the top of these lists.
2: So one of the main things is that Wondolowski goes offside, not quite once for ninety minutes, but it's getting close to that, and he suffers less than one foul. 90 minutes while the other guys are at least getting you know 1.1 or more for 90 minutes if you're okay. going to be in the top 10 and some of the guys are in the top 10 because they draw you know more than two and a half fouls for 90 minutes so they generate a lot of chances for their team even if they're not necessarily scoring all the goals
1: all right well, thank you so much for shedding some light on match impact rating for us. Thank you for having.:
0: me. Thanks, Patrick.
1: And we are back um, and with the NF, uh, MLS playoffs right in our faces it's time to play what are the odds uh, first up what are the odds that Salt Lake versus Seattle is a high scoring affair
0: I'm going to go with 60% I think that both teams have really good defenses um, so you know there is a potential that this could be a really tight game and obviously when they played uh, what a week or two ago it was a scoreless tie. Um But they're both apt to screw up every so often, Um, particularly Seattle. They seem to be a little more shaky and, you know, it seems like they give up goals when they really don't need to or they they shouldn't. Um, But Salt Lake has had some problems with keeping, you know, a consistent group in the lineup all season and and they're not quite as uh, stout, I think, as, as they have been in the past as well. So um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it a, a pretty good shot. Partly because I want to see it, but partly because I think it, it's actually possible. So I'm gonna go with sixty percent.
1: I'm gonna go with forty percent. Um, not entirely convinced that the goals are going to come pouring out of this matchup, especially just with the way that uh, the unbalanced schedule has forced these teams. Like, it'll be the fourth time that a lot of these teams are are meeting. Um, so they know each other very well. They know uh, what's going to happen in Seattle. They know what needs to be done at the riot. Uh, and Seattle, Eddie Johnson is maybe, maybe not. No one's really sure. Um, they, I, I don't think they've released the results of the MRI. Uh, so it's really a matter of, you know, what team will they be able to put together and, you know, I just saw Seattle playing the Galaxy with something to play for and they were defensive and had a hard time really getting things going when Eddie Johnson was was out and even with him. So I don't expect a whole lot of scoring in Salt Lake it might pick up in Seattle, but uh, we'll have to see.
0: Fair enough. All right, so what are the odds that Chris Wondolowski doesn't win the playoff golden boot? Uh,
1: I really wanted to get numbers on this one on players who were the golden boot winner during the year and with the, whether they continued through the playoffs, and I didn't get numbers, so I apologize to our listeners. Um, but... I feel like it's about 60% on this one. Um, He is San Jose's offense. Uh, Not that Alan Gordon hasn't been a lot of the offense as well, but he, you know, is good for probably three goals in the Galaxy series. And should they get through the Galaxy, I fully expect him to have you know, six goals by the time this whole thing is done. I think it's 60, probably even 70%. Yeah,
0: I went with 70%. Um, For me, it seems like there's the uncertain length of a team's playoff run. So, you know, say San Jose crashes out in the semis. I mean, he only has two games then. Um, You know, even if he does end up with, what, five games, um, if they go to the final. It's a small sample size, so I, you know I think it's obviously really uh, risky to count on you know the the leading scorer over 34 games to uh, be the leading scorer after you know say five or six games, so at, at most. So um, you know I think I mean I still I still think a 30% chance he'll do it is is pretty good, but um, yeah I think the odds are against him that that he'll he'll repeat in in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: So, we'll move on to the eastern half of MLS. Uh, what are the odds, now that we know that Kansas City is going to face Houston, what are the odds that they get upset in the next round?
0: With Houston winning, I I would say 50%. Um, I know that Kansas City was pretty dominant, you know, uh, for much of the season. I mean, they did have a little bit of a lull. But they started out so strong. Um, you know, they had their... They're sort of, uh, you know, they faltered in the middle part of the season, which is, like, the best part of the season. You're going to do it to do it then. And then they picked back up towards the end of the season. Um, but that said, I mean, you know, Houston has the experience against Kansas City, like I said earlier. Um, you know, they have the experience in the playoffs in general. Uh, they have a good coach. Um, you know, so I think I think it's a 50-50 matchup. Well,
1: I'm gonna go with 40% just so that you know I'm picking more than a coin flip. Uh, but I actually am kind of that—that's a positive 40% for me because it a number five team shouldn't beat a number one team. That just shouldn't happen. But what Kansas City has working against them is the extra matches played. You know, they had the U.S. Open Cup run and in MLS play that kind of was a boon to them they really found their second wind and had a really good second half of the year uh but it's been shown that that extra time played during the regular season will have an effect on teams in the MLS playoffs so I think Houston has that going for them but Kansas City still is the better club and they should be able to take care of things so long as they don't lose their legs halfway through the match.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a really low-scoring uh, series because, uh, you know, Kansas City, for all their attacking talent, I mean, they really, they're really, they really good at grinded it outs, just like Houston. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, all right, so final one for this week. What are the odds Thierry Henry finishes with more points than DC United?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with 60% on this one. Um, it's no secret that I love Henry on this podcast. And I just think that... well. And the other thing to consider is what just came out this afternoon that they're changing the uh, home and away for this series because of the the hurricanes, which was the right thing to do. Um, but it does give New York the uh, home field advantage uh, even though they didn't earn it. And I think that can be enough for Henri to to at least factor in on each of New York's goals, really?
0: Yeah, I went with 45%. Um, You know, I mean, we're we're both pretty unabashed Henri admirers at this point, but uh, I would love to see him take over a string of games. I mean, I really think he can do it. Will it happen? I'm not sure. And obviously with sort of the the general... um, turmoil that surrounds the club at pretty much all times and, and the fact that Hans Baca is an interesting coach at best, um, you know, I, I think it, it, it lessens the, you know, the the chances that Unreal take over, um, you know, take over the games, but, uh, but I would love to see it happen and I, I certainly hope it does.
1: Yeah, well... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Two SoCal Gals. We seem to be closing in on out of time. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And, Alicia, where can we find you?
0: At Soccer Musings on Twitter.
1: Alright, well, we'll try and keep you abreast of everything that's going to be happening with these playoffs. Um, we'll be back next week at our regular time. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Enjoy your Halloween candy!